The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Welcome to the show. We all made it through a long week together. Ricky Keeler coming up to talk about PTI as ESPN celebrates that show's 20th anniversary and our new sports business writer, Jeremy Evans, making his debut on the podcast, talking about the potential for live sports at Netflix. That is all coming up. But first, well, we are staring down the barrel of our first week of Monday Night Football without the Manning cast. And I got to tell you, I think... A lot of us, not everybody, but I think there are a lot of us that are going to have withdrawals. Pat McAfee sort of alluded to this on his show this week, that it has really connected with an audience that may not necessarily care about the Monday night game, whether that means that, you know, you don't have your favorite team in, or maybe it means you don't have a vested interest in any uh, particular kind of way. Because I heard from a lot of people this week when I wrote that column talking to TV executives about why we love the Manning cast. I got a lot of feedback of, well, if you were a gambler, you would understand why the Manning cast is so bad. And look, maybe that is true from the perspective of a gambler, but from the perspective of just a regular guy that works hard on Monday, Monday is always hard to get back in the groove anyway. By Monday night, unless the Buccaneers are playing, I just don't have a deep, deep interest in following football. Frankly, I'm I'm worn out. And to watch the game along with the Manning brothers, along with their guests, whether it is, you know, someone that I'm really into, like Nick Saban, who coaches my alma mater's college football team, or whether it is somebody that is just there to bring some levity and be a little bit goofy, like the aforementioned McAfee, it has been a fun way, a fun, not only fun, but educational way as well, to consume a game. And so as we go into week four, at least if you are listening to this on on the Friday or over the weekend that it comes out. As we go into week four, we do not have a Manning cast for the first time this year. And I wonder what ESPN's solution is going to be. Obviously, the traditional ESPN broadcast has been dwarfing the Manning cast in terms of overall viewers. However, there is an element of buzz. There is an element of being able to build from week to week that the Manning cast brings to Monday Night Football that the regular crew alone cannot. So will the Manning somehow be folded in, even if it is a pre-recorded intro? I think it is a very real possibility that this week and maybe next to the Mannings will have some sort of presence on Monday Night Football, despite there not being a formal Manning cast going on. Ricky Keeler covers everything in the podcasting world for us. And this week on the Tony Kornheiser show, uh, Tony, who, of course, is one half of the duo that makes up ESPN's PTI, sort of commented on the fact that ESPN is looking back on 20 years of the show this week. And Ricky, I I thought he made an interesting point that seems like something old men tend to make uh, when these lifetime achievement or uh, career retrospective things come about. It does sort of feel like we are getting ready to bid you goodbye. Yeah, absolutely. And you could tell, especially if you watch a documentary on Tuesday on ESPN, which was a very well done that when this process came out, they weren't even sure it was going to last three weeks. 
Right. So it was like if they're going 20 years, they feel, hey, they can still keep going. I think it's the way Kornheiser approaches it. And I liked the different approach. Like, why are we celebrating something that isn't ending? Because, but he also, I think, has to realize, I think he does too, that PTI opened up all these debate shows and everything that you see on ESPN, FS1, all these things. So in a way, you you can look back and look at the impact it has rather than look at it as a memorial in a sense. I know Kornheiser quoted <laughs> yeah. that. But I, I could see why he thinks that way. You know, what's interesting is you bring up all of the shows that it spawned. And I have said this for a number of years now. And I will acknowledge to, to anybody listening to this that I, I guess, fell out of love is the right way to say it with PTI. I'm not a fan of the show the way I used to be. And I look at the show now and I am very interested why the same people that think Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith are the downfall of sports television will still tell you they love PTI. I mean, to me, those shows were not an evolution. This is literally copying and pasting the formula over and over again. Yeah, I think for me, I don't, I'm not as huge of a fan as PTI as I used to be solely because I liked when they did like the fortune teller and the different yep. costumes and the five good minutes and you don't really get that anymore. But at the same time, I liked what Kornheiser said about them being generalists in that you could watch PTI and you get a little bit about every sport. Yeah. It's not two hours of the Cowboys or two hours of why Aaron Rodgers is the, is a great quarterback or this week, <laughs> six hours of Brady versus Belichick. You get a little bit of everything and it's where you get that in sports shows, which is definitely weird for ESPN, especially since they're getting hockey back and they do college football but a lot of shows, you just get really football and basketball. So it's good to get a good mix of everything. And PTI still provides that. You know, and that is probably that generalist approach is probably why PTI, the um, snippets, I, I guess, segments, whatever it is you want to call it. It's why it was a good fit when they used to do an extra segment in SportsCenter um, every night. And it is really interesting. I had forgotten that that was kind of the first show. They were sort of the first personalities that ESPN acknowledged maybe bigger than Sports Center, or at the very least are big enough to build something around within Sports Center. Yeah, and it's also a phone you get two guys that are well established with their career in journalism. It's just also it's, there's something about two older sports writers just yapping it up. Like I remember, like I miss sports reporters, so it's kind of yeah. like a good reminder of just guys that have been around the experience in the industry because it's where you get shows where two guys have been around in the industry as long as Kornheiser and Wilbon. Jeremy Evans has been writing about sports business for the site for the better part of a month now, and his new column is about the opportunities for Netflix in the world of live sports. Drive to Survive has been, I don't know if you would call it an unexpected hit or not, Jeremy, but it has certainly been beneficial for Netflix, and it has been beneficial to Formula One in a way that Netflix's CEO says this is the sport we would entertain getting into live play-by-play -play rights for. No, absolutely. And Dimitri, pleasure to be with you and, and thank you for having me on. So this is something Netflix CEO Reed Hastings for the longest time has, has been committed to Netflix not getting into right. live sports. It's just, they're not, we're not going to do it, but they've had some great success with both um, The Last Dance, which was Michael Jordan and Chicago Bulls series. And then we've had Drive to Survive, which is now just renewed for season four. So it's been very, very successful. And sports documentaries in general are successful. And so Reed Hastings was quoted as saying during one of the recent conferences that 
in the past, he would not, I'm paraphrasing, but in the past, uh, he would not consider live sports. But if he were to consider them, Formula One would be the place to start. You know, they've also, like going back for, geez, four or five years now, have had this great property uh, in Last Chance U that, you know, there, there's a long history of sports working at Netflix. One of the things that Hastings said at that conference was that getting into live sports at all, whether it is Formula One, whether it is even one of the big four here in America, would require a level of exclusivity that those leagues have never even considered before. It's just a realm that they have not played in that they would have to in order for it to make sense for Netflix. And as much as I get that Netflix getting into sports would have to change the way we think about live sports rights, I also wonder how short-sighted that is in the sense that, you know, I'm guessing he would be talking about Netflix would have to be the only way you could consume these sports highlights included. And I don't know that that grows Netflix. I don't know that that grows the sports audience. Right. Cause even when Amazon prime does a Thursday night football, you can still get it on the NFL network or you can get it in another way through cable. Right. Uh, but so to have it exclusively, I wonder, I mean, obviously I could see it exclusively being on one streaming platform, mm-hmm. but ideally you would have um, sort of, highlights that you would see. So maybe that means Netflix builds sort of a, a consumption platform, like a bleacher report. Yep. Again, I'm totally guessing here, but then of course, how does Netflix deal with the commercial aspect? And, you know, they would have to charge an exorbitant fee just to make up the cost of purchasing the rights uh, if they didn't have advertising. So um, it really does create some interesting things, but then F1 with the way that it, it sort of works, maybe potentially you have a two-hour thing with no commercials on it. And maybe that's how they do it. You look at, you know, Syria out of Italy. You look at the premiership out of England. All of these leagues, their rights are nation-specific. It's why DAZN has struggled in the U.S. in a way it hasn't in, uh, in Europe, right? Your piece, you write about all of these international leagues that would bring instant cross uh cross uh, world <laughs> like trans world value to netflix right. having these properties and i wonder you know if you could sort of recap some of those real quick and i mean are, are you even capable of speculating what kind of money we'd be talking about to have the exclusive world broadcast rights to some of these things right no and really good question you know it's interesting because normally it's usually league-wide or it's it's um, particularly in Europe, generally the, the rights are league wide, but Manchester United has talked about maybe potentially having securing its own broadcast deal. Uh, the equivalent in the United States would be. It's Notre say, Dame on NBC. Right. You talk about the Indian premier league um, in, in IPL. I mean, some of the most expensive rights in the world uh, premier, premier premier league for soccer is, is expensive. So in terms of dollar amount, Oh boy. Um, it, to be exclusive on one platform. I mean, I, I would not be surprised to see, you know, $10 billion range, uh, at least. What does your gut tell you? How much of a player can Netflix really be if they are motivated? I think F I think Reed Hastings is, is right on target. I think F1 is the one property that they can go after. That wouldn't be as expensive as the big four, big five you know, MLB, NFL, you know, NHL, that sort of thing, NBA, MLS, but it's, it's the potential to be international. So it grows their international audience. 
I think much like soccer, you can have a, you know, one to two hour straight opportunity, much like their original films mm-hmm. that don't have commercials. And then maybe you have a presented by, or you have some interactive things where it's not live commercials. Uh, so I think it's possible to, and, and I think the reality of it is, is that if you look back, the competition has changed. Netflix for a decade had no competition. And right. it wasn't until 2018 or so we started to see, you know, Hulu getting purchased by Disney, Disney Plus getting launched, Paramount Plus, Peacock, HBO Max, Apple Plus, all the different platforms that didn't exist. And so, you know, Netflix had the first mover advantage in business and they also had no competition. Well, now they do have competition and they have to be focused on how do we keep our subscriber numbers up? Because all these other platforms have have sports, but we don't. So mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we compete with that? And, you know, it's interesting because uh, NBC Universal CEO Brian Roberts had made this comment about purchasing sports rights becomes more difficult. Right. Because it becomes more expensive. That's the problem. And ex- exclusive rights are even more expensive. If you're talking about international and controlling it everywhere from India to the UK to the United States, um, you know, maybe it's $20 billion, you know, but um, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think Netflix should get into this space, but I think if Netflix gets into this space, it needs to do it in the Netflix way, which is no commercials and find a way to make it uh, sort of seamlessly apply and work within their platform. Great conversations today, both with Ricky and Jeremy. I appreciate both of them making time to be on the show. As for what we are keeping an eye on next week, I mean, I'm going to go back to my conversation with Jeremy Evans. We should be learning more about Premier League rights in the United States coming up in the next week or two. And I am interested what that price is going to do to the market for the NBA rights when they come up later on this year, early next year. So uh, if anything sees movement in the Premier League world, we will certainly talk about it next week. I'll see you then. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review and check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.